Hi, I'm Nigel Baker, and you're listening to The Future Financial Advisor. We're running this podcast to create an avenue for advisors to share their thoughts and their their best interests and really trying to attract those advisors who want to take the industry forward. What we want is great businesses are really making a difference and really making a big impact to their clients, and we want to know how they're doing it. So in this series, we're going to be discussing the latest digital platforms, some best practices, evidence-based investing strategies. We want to give financial advisors the tools they need to help more investors improve their financial well-being. So if you're ready to take the industry forward, modernize your advisory practice and reach a new generation of investors and the new generation of advisors, then this show is for you. So all our recordings and podcasts are general advice. All the content, all the people interviewing here, it's all their own opinions and all their own views. In no way does it constitute any personal advice or recommendations. If you need specific advice, please go and seek an advisor. Thanks very much. So today we're really excited to interview Jim Stackpool. For those of you who don't know who Jim is, Jim has been around the industry for uh, well over 20 years now and has been leading the industry as a great advocate of what advice really should look like and putting clients first and helping advisors build practices that are all about the client and about making sure they're productive and adding lots of value to those clients. He's written four books um, about how to build a great advisory practice, about how to price advice. And he's really challenged a lot of the industry as to how this should be run. Now, we all know there's lots of issues in the industry and we know there's lots to change, but people like Jim are helping us move forward. I think you're going to really enjoy Jim's chat today. If you know Jim, you'll be able to engage with his story. If you haven't met Jim before, his group, certainly advice group, is certainly worth checking out. So thanks for listening in. And again, thanks to Jim for his time. All right, very excited to have you here today, Jim. How are you? Yeah, good, Nigel. Really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. So the question I'd like to ask first, Jim, is tell me tell me about your story. My story? Uh, well, we started uh, way, way back. It was uh, spent most of the 80s in the computer industry and then um, towards the end of the 80s set up my own business computer firm. Been through various stages of growth and development until I realised I didn't really... I knew how to start a firm but not grow a firm very well. I ended up at the University of New England, late 80s, and working for a group there called the Financial Management Research Centre. And they used to work with accountants, doctors, dentists, architects, engineers, surveyors, all different sorts of professions. And I saw a space back then and started to learn why my own business in computing didn't do as well as I expected it to once it got past two or three people. And saw a bit of space then working with MLC at the time, Capita at the time, and saw a very strong similarity to what I was doing in the early 80s to what a lot of agents as they were called back then were doing and trying to building a firm delivering advice and we, we, were, we, we too were trying to deliver computer advice and that, I just was attracted to that and then through the 80s, 90s, uh, I set up my own business early 90s, 91 when I left the FMRC at uni and I've been doing my own business ever since and uh, whilst I did dabble in a few computer firms in the early 90s, since about 94, 95, I've been solely focused on financial services and helping helping people like you grow really prosperous and great financial advisory practices. Yeah, no, great. I mean, uh, what I think you, I've known you now must be close to 20 years and um, and, and you've always uh, been great to work with, but you've always, uh, even when the industry, um, you know, was in its, in, I suppose, infant days, you were, you're out there leading a story that the way advisors and the way the industry should should behave and um, and that's been very inspiring. Yeah. Um, and it's still going on, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a battle, but um yeah, you've been you've seen the industry from all you've seen you've worked with the big guys you've worked with the, the small businesses what are some of the, the key themes you're you're seeing right now where do you think the industry is going 
I, I think I take your comments, Nigel, but I think in some ways we're still in infancy stages. Uh, and in being in an infancy stage, there's lots of issues that we think we're quite mature, but we could be kidding ourselves. Basically, the key theme I, I think facing all firms is productivity. Um, how do we really be productive as possible, both in our quest to help our clients, but also in our quest to build businesses? And the second core theme is decisions by people like yourself who's and, and people like you at Arch Capital. You are our client. We don't we, we don't have any institutional clients at the moment and probably won't uh, as we focus more and more on this. People are out there doing the face-to-face and coal-face stuff with clients. And so the productivity is one theme, but the other theme for the, our clients is what sort of business are they in the business of building a business that delivers advice or are they in the business of delivering advice and, and i think getting that wrong and trying to straddle that fence both are quite obviously achievable both are very valid both are neither right nor wrong or someone like me to say which one you should do but it's a different path if you're in the business of building a business that delivers consistent specific methodical advice or if you're in the business of just delivering advice yourself and i think Productivity and those that theme about what business are you in is really crucial. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. I mean, it's uh, as you said, it probably despite um, you know some of the key themes we see. You're right. I mean, there's still some things that the industry really hasn't uh, got a grapple of and still struggling with. But I think when you get big, when you get far enough away from the industry and look back at it, um, you know, really simple things like definitions. We still are really bad at defining what it is is advice and defining what it is what's product advice and non-product advice. Um, and we've seen all sorts of goes and attempts and inquiries and, and, and we've got a Australian Law Reform Commission report which you've added, added something to and we have as well to help rethink about the whole Corporations Act, which is all signs, I think, of a business still in infancy trying to move beyond to have a sustainable proposition for more and more Australians uh, than what it's sort of had because it has a product genesis. It's so strong in its product genesis, this industry that's trying to get away to what you do which isn't product, it's advice. It's, it's, it's quite different. So we're still in the infancy, and I think that is probably the biggest issue in terms of what is what is pro- progress from here. It is the separation of product from advice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you've, you've been a great advocate of that over over the years. Really, it comes down to saying, well, the client simply comes first and the, and the product lasts. But the industry has struggled to get there with that and advisors. I think a lot of people in the industry over a long period of time, they're not paid to do that. They're paid to get product first and then meet the needs of clients. And I think they've done a good job. The irony of it is I think most people in the industry get in the industry to help clients, but they land in a a space on earth that really the fundamentals of that space they land on is only remunerated provided they've actually either put a number of hours in or they've got a product in place. And so as much as their quest when they start is to help clients, they end up landing in a landscape which unless I can actually have a certain amount of funds in the management or a certain amount of insurance policies sold or a certain amount of superannuation on the management or a certain amount of hours provided, I can't figure a way to get paid. And I think that's the nexus that um, whilst I truly believe most people in the industry want to serve the client, they end up becoming servants of either effort or product. So do you think the industry will ever get there? Oh, as I say, I think most people started in the industry with that premise. And I, I'd still, even in, if we're having this conversation in 30, years, 30 or 40 years' time, there'll be a part of the industry that's still wedded to the concept of delivering great product. And we need that, just like I go to Bunnings and get great product. But when I walk out of Bunnings, I expect to be able to put the thing together myself. Uh, but with financial lives, there's lots more other factors in place to, that takes me off the best path, not just the right, right or wrong product. 
So I think the industry will get there um, more so, but I think it will always have a, a, an origin back to just having a product provider. And that might be fine for those that just want to do product. Um, but at the beginning clarity in the mind of the client, whether it's brought about by technology, just their own education, or more and more competition that really clearly defines new definitions. Um, I, I think we will get there. And I think, in fact, not only will we get there, I think it will be one of the professions to be a part of in the future, rather than at the moment it's still seen as a, as a, as a tail behind the, the, the dog of product. Well, it's good you're optimistic about it. There, um, yeah, let's, let's hope so. <laughs> so if, if you were, um, obviously an election coming up this weekend and, um, and a financial services isn't really on the, on, the, on the top of the list for, I suppose, the electorate this time around. There's not many changes going on that are top of mind. But um, if you were the, you know, elected this Saturday and you're the new minister and you're given the, um, the front bench for financial services, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? What's your, what's your term look like? Yeah, two things. One is separate advice from product. Um, and, and, and that means, though, that a job as big as repainting a Harbour Bridge every year, which is the, the re-engineering of Corps Act, Corporations Act, um, uh, and I think unless there's, it's sort of like zero emissions by 2030 or 2040, uh, unless we've got a, it's well beyond, I guess, any one term of one politician to undertake something so huge that the whole Australian corporate structure is built on Corpse Act. But there's a huge section of Corpse Act, which is really confusing people with how they get the best possible path in their own financial lives. Um, and I think it's played to the genesis of the industry, not the future of the industry. And so if I am minister next week or week after, um, I would be trying to garner as much support and lobby as much support for something that's well beyond just one term of government, like net zero by 2030, to actually get clarification for, so our kids and our kids' kids, just like we talk about environmental change, we need a we need an advice change of thinking that this best product with this best return or this crypto or this SMSF or this, that none of that really is of any interest as compared to how do we help people progress in their financial lives, which may not have anything to do with the product. And I think that separation of that, so people can, like you, can get about and do your job and hire people that want to come along and help people with that approach and know that it's not they're not stick, sticking to strict compliance regimes that were built for an industry we had 20 years ago. Well, I'd, I'd vote for that, but um, it, it is a tough ask. There's, there's so much legacy in the industry. Someone who's uh, someone in, in government needs to be pretty, pretty brave to to cut the ties of the past and move forward without all the lobbying yeah. and things that go on every time they try and change things. So I think I think you've touched on you know what you think the, the future looks like, but um, I was really interested. I mean, I've, I'm obviously part of it. For the, the audience, you know, you've you've uh, created a group, uh, certainly advice group. You've been able to tell us a little bit about that and, and what you're trying to achieve through through that group, and, and how do you become part of it? And certainly, advice group is basically a standards group, Nigel. Like we've had dealer groups um, and buying groups in the past, but certainly advice group is just a standards group. People confuse it as a dealer group. We don't offer a product license. We have a license to a certain standard of advice. We don't believe it's the only standard. Hopefully more standards are created like ours. It simply is focused purely on um, servicing a client in a certain manner. And we believe in the old Plato approach, which the cure of a part of anyone's life shouldn't be attempted without the treatment of the whole if you're really acting in their best interests. And our standard aims to consistently, specifically, methodically ensure that whoever we call a certainty advisor is adhering to it in their own unique approach. Um, this isn't robo-advice. It's simply like the College of Orthopedic Surgeons has certain standards to become a, a part of that college. 
and we have certain standards. And we're not saying it has to come from a technical expertise, but simply just a professional engagement, management, pricing, um, and delivery of service to a client expertise. So it's just a standards group. And the, the idea of the group is that by coming together and discussing the issues we have as we grow businesses and deliver advice to this standard, everyone can accelerate the prosperity that they deliver for their clients and therefore accelerate the prosperity they deliver for themselves and their teams as well. We're, we're, for all the reasons we've already said, I think I'm very bullish about the future of advice, true advice, and I'm very bullish to accelerate that as quickly as possible amongst many business owners that want to create businesses that deliver this. So we sort of change the balance of advice um, from at the moment only 20 or 30% of Australians can afford advice and we'd like to think that by the efforts of a group like ours and people sticking to standards like ours, we can shift that to that 70 to 80% of Australians value and get access to valuable advice, um, not just advice that they can afford because we're, we're sticking to this standard. We've just extended the range of Australians to get access to it, uh, whereas at the moment it's just seen as a cost and we're on this ridiculous race to the bottom in cost um, on price. And, and, and advice is not like a haircut. I don't want the cheapest one. Um, I actually want the best one that suits me, my family, my circumstances, my situations. And having standards and working together as we continually evolve those standards is the objective of Certainty Advice Group. No, brilliant. That's um, that's amazing. I mean, it's not as I said, it's not an indi- easy industry to to crack and to and to forge ahead with something like that. And I know it's a fair bit of resistance in the industry about change and about wanting advisors to adhere to new standards. So. Uh, and you talk about these advisors wanting to help more people. At the moment, we've heard about the obviously the number of advisors falling from, call it thirty thousand down to maybe fifteen thousand by the time all the all of the um, FASIA exams need to be passed and things like that. So, how are you seeing those advisors? I mean, they're they're all no doubt pretty busy. Are they? Are they what are they doing to help more people? Um, in terms of you know obviously bringing in standards and systems. Are they using technology, for example? How are they how are they shaping their business for the future? I think the biggest challenge. Knowledge that most of our advisory firms face is not finding clients, but it is finding talent and team members to come and join their organisations that are aligned. And because firms like you are still unicorns in your own right, you're pretty rare birds compared to most that may talk about embracing the future, but really a lift of the bonnet would show that a lot of their systems and processes and remuneration techniques are still wedded to the past. And so trying to find people that come and fit However, I, I think that thinking innovatively that if we're actually moving into an industry that really comes down to three things in our book, that we manage clients on their best possible path to make the right steps as they progress, manage projects that the clients sometimes face, whether it's pre-retirement, post-retirement, whether it's aged parents, whether it's kids leaving home, starting homes, whether it's and, and also strategically be able to play the helicopter view of, to ensure people this is considering all the things going on in markets and product shifts and technology. So there's project management, strategic management, client management ability. When you start thinking that broadly, then our clients are looking elsewhere for talent. So it might come not from the dwindling numbers of traditional financial advisors, but it might come from accounting, it might come from commerce, maybe come from law, it could even come from HR services. Um, because I think the whole idea of separating advice from product, we're moving into that era like an engineer. The engineer doesn't get paid based upon what products he or she may use in the project, but simply upon the quality and the value of the plan. And, and so thinking broadly about where do we find these biggest issue, find these people that can then apply a process that engages clients, 
well beyond simply the technical needs of being an authorised representative, which are dwindling to be someone that's focused on servicing clients' projects and strategy. Uh, I think this, that they're, they're, they're looking at different pots of where I get that talent from. Technology too, no question. I, I think the big, big trend is technology, technology, technology. It, it's going to more than regulation, um, really upend how people think about their future financial futures, everything from the blockchain um, influence, which will change the way we handle, process, take payments and enter agreements. It'll be fundamental um, rewiring of a lot of the old passageways that used to, used to conduct money through and have huge ramifications we can't even guess about yet. Um, I think offshoring is becoming more and more prolific to service really good advisors that can sit in front of clients and help them with their own prosperity. And so advisors get to 40, 50% face time on client issues with clients because they're taking a lot of the $15, $20, even up to $80 an hour tasks out and finding other partners they can work with collaboratively um, to take away the other things that are needed when you're building a business. Um, and so I think the combination of technology, the combination of um, the whole change in blockchain and how we think, and I think the aging of the client base too is they, is the new wealth accumulators become the next level of people seeking advice and even the millennials at the moment those groups aren't seen as traditional financial advice clients because they don't have enough money but they certainly have complexity um, and so anything that helps narrow in the niche of our advisors to focus on what the complexity you want to solve and then outsource departments whilst recognizing the fundamental shift that the talent doesn't need to come through an authorised representative pass. Obviously, every SLA, ROA at the moment needs to be signed off technically, but the overall plan could be engaged by different sorts of talent moving forward. Yeah, it, it certainly is a challenge right now. The talent, uh, experienced advisors and, and even the junior advisors coming through, the, the rules are a little bit opaque as to what the, what's actually required. So a lot of that work needs to be done as well. There's lots of issues that need to be solved. but. Uh, yeah. Thanks to people like you, you're getting the voice out there and uh, lobbying the government to try to make these changes. Yeah, I think if anyone with a horizon more than four or five years in the industry, uh, they're going to be part of something very, very different to what we have today. I don't know we've been saying that, but the accelerated change, it, not simply because of how banking royal commissions and the banks have exited the delivery of at least face-to-face advice. I think the consumer movement and the technology movement is going to accelerate it and bring a lot of the things that you've worked pretty hard too, Nigel, to achieve for your clients and also for the industry. Um, and it's going to happen quicker than we expect. Um, that's my punt. But yeah, I, I might be wrong, but I, I think the future is pretty good for us. Yeah, I, I, I uh, concur. But um, you see a lot of chat out there, a lot of if it's a LinkedIn post or whatever, and there's a lot of advisors who are seem pretty unhappy with the with the industry. So um, I think for those that are, you know, able to engage with, with, with certain advisors and things like that where they can actually, I think, mix with other advisors who are thinking positively about this um, rather than sitting in a hole and thinking this is terrible. Our, our key thing we, we can do pretty quick, we can we can help advisors really reassess their worth pretty quickly um, and, and challenge some of their thinking about what they're worth and how much value they're adding to their clients' lives. It's then up to them to determine what they do with that uh, and there will be fundamental change and habits needed for everyone. We can't just proceed forward thinking what we used to do is going to work. We've got to change and develop. Those advisors, I said at the beginning, that really make their own plan of development the number one plan, and they work that plan with their highest priority. Uh, and whilst it sounds a bit oxymoronic, if they continually put their client plans ahead of their plan, they'll never progress. They'll be, they'll be in that first option, which is I'm in the business of delivering advice because that's all I'll have the time to do. 
But if they really want to extend it, create a team, have a greater reach and effect on more people, uh, and potentially the future industry, being in business to build a business that delivers advice, I think, will have a greater exponential effect both for themselves, their clients, and obviously too for the industry. So if the advisor's listening to this and uh, who, who haven't come across uh, your site, what's the process? Do they... Uh they call up do you how do you how do you uh meet them and work out if they're the right fit for, for you or and vice versa uh, we generally say to people that have never heard of us is to probably to spend some time on the on the site certaintyadvicegroup.com uh look at the blogs look at the events look at profiles of people like you that we, we work with and, and sense is this something that, that that is of interest to me um and then what's the gap between where they are today and where they want to be and if they're clear on that gap and they, and they get a sense that what we're doing may be of interest and help them accelerate in some way, shape or form. Then, yeah, let's, let's make contact. And like we say, and what you said in your clients, we don't engage unless there's some value where we can both clearly see the value and then work towards that value. Um, so I think initially it's like anything you become a member of. It's, it's not the free giveaway or come to a session. It's more where are you going? What's the gap between where I am, where I want to go? And is there some way, shape or form that we can help narrow that gap in, in timeframes needed? Brilliant. Well, we'll, um, we'll we'll put the link on in the notes as well. So if um, anyone is keen to reach out, they can uh, go through that process. But uh, highly recommended. You've certainly helped us along the on the on the pathway of uh, building building advice practice uh, in this well, over the years, but in the future as well. So um, before we uh, we sign off, is there any final comments? Any one major thing you'd you'd want to put out there as uh, what we need to do as an industry? I think anyone that might be a bit despondent or, or, or and for a good reason um, hammered over the last few years of compliance and COVID and, and regulatory change and activity, a flurry of activity, I really think that these are the very best of times. I may not feel like it, but these are the very best of times to make that decision. Do I really want to grow a business that delivers great advice for the clients I really want to serve um, and, and don't believe anything else? And, and it's really up. The only blockage is... I think ourselves and our, our own plan that we have to do that. These are the best of times and um, don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Well, Jim Stackpole, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, I'm sure the audience will get a lot out of it. Um, as always, appreciate it and your insights and uh, keep, uh, keep changing the industry and pushing hard for us all. Thanks, Nigel. Great working with you too. Thanks, Jim. You've been listening to The Future Financial Advisor. So if you've been enjoying the show, please make sure to share it with your network and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. Or if you've got some ideas or thoughts or would like to come on as a guest or know someone who would be a great guest, then please let me know. To learn more about CNTM, just go to our website, cntm.com.au or look me up on LinkedIn. Look forward to speaking with you and see you on the next episode.